So I think that this is a busy time of year for all of us, and we're finally on the other side of a lot of it, right? Like iOS stuff, and, and it's just like a crazy time, typically around this time of year anyway. And now that things are calming down a little bit, I think we're all able to get back into playing some games again. So I wanted to share some recommendations uh, that we've been that we've been playing um, for some uh, some games that we've been enjoying. Uh, Shahir isn't with us right now, but mm-hmm. he has. Uh, he's so excited about the Oculus Quest that he recorded uh, a segment that we're going to play at the end of the episode about the Oculus Quest. I actually think he might be lost inside of VR right now, which is why he couldn't make it to today's recording. Um, He's very excited about it. But everybody that I know that has tried the Quest is also very excited about it. So you can stay tuned for that at the end of the episode today. But I have a selection of games, Federico, that I want to talk to you about that I've played of maybe a couple of hours each of recently. Um, and it's like a mix of some Switch games and some Apple Arcade games as well, because obviously Apple Arcade has launched since uh, our last episode, and it has been to much fanfare because the catalog is excellent. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think I should start with the game, which is like the gamers meme right now, which is Untitled Goose Game, which I am buying right now as we speak on the Nintendo eShop. Okay, you will love it. Because it's stupid. It's like really ridiculous and fun. Um, I've played a couple of hours of it and uh, it was a game that I played with my wife sitting next to me because I figured that she would enjoy it for that and she did. Like it was like, uh, like, because really it's a puzzle game. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, like you you play as a goose uh, and you obviously have limited things that you can do as a goose right because you're a goose right. <laughs> uh, and effectively your overall goal is to cause mischief of various kinds and you have like a, a list of goals it's just like a to-do list it's not really explained why the goose has a to-do list but but you do so the, the to-do list is made by the goose Yes. Well, it seems that way. I don't know. I have yet to find out if somebody has provided the, the maybe is a twist in the story later on. But mm. uh, as far as I am aware, I have my own to-do list as the goose. And uh, you can, you know, there's like you have to interact with different elements um, and you you have to work out how to. So say, for example, right in the first in the first level, you're in a, like a farm, like a like gardeny farm type thing, like a garden. And one of the goals is just like get make get the gardener wet. So you somehow okay. have to get water on the gardener, right? And you have to work out yourself how you will go about doing that. And it seems like for some goals, that one specifically, there are a few different ways you could approach it based upon what you have available to you. So you know, th- th- and then you different um, different goals can only be started until you've achieved previous ones but you don't necessarily know they're linked until the level is unwrapping you know super Mm -hmm. stupid game uh it is easy to see why it's a meme right now because it's kind of like built just for that um you know like when i think the first thing that you see in the game is just like press y to honk (laughs) right (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's just like brilliant, so you, just you know. Go around and honk. Yeah. So well, it, well, obviously, one of the things that you can do as a goose is honk, right? Sure. Um, and it's a tactic that you will you will deploy honking tactically throughout this game. It is currently <laughs> number one on the Nintendo eShop, which is fantastic. Um, 
and it's uh, it's published by Panic, um, the software house. Um, mm. This is, you know, it's brilliant. It's out for PC and Mac on Nintendo Switch right now. Um, and I'm so happy to see that this game has been the success that it has because, like, yep. there is no reason that it should be, but I'm very happy that it is. If you remember, we were concerned when we heard that it was coming out the same day as The Legend of Zelda, yes. that it may have been eclipsed by that game, yes. but it actually turned into this amazing cultural phenomenon. Yep. I mean, I've, I've, seen, I've seen tweets from um, Chrissy Teigen. She's the, you know, um, mm-hmm. uh, the amazing wife of John Legend. Uh, yeah, she's a, she, was, she was a supermodel. She's a TV presenter. Uh, she writes cookbooks and like everything now. She's amazing. She's um, amazing on Twitter. If you don't follow her, she's like she's probably the, the funniest celebrity I've ever followed on Twitter. Yes, um, and and she was playing Goose Game, and I've seen Blink One Eighty Two uh, have a shout out for Goose Game on stage. Like it's become this this thing, right? That everybody's talking about it, and uh, I was not expecting it. I'll be honest. I thought it was not gonna be as successful as Firewatch for Panic. And I was wrong. This is turning out to be way more successful than Firewatch because it's uh, it has leapt into um, mainstream culture. Yes, that's the big difference, right? Like that is the like it, Firewatch was a huge video game success, right? But uh, this game has, as you say, it's become it's become a meme, and that is good currency. That's why I mean it wasn't number one it got to number one, right? So, like, Mm -hmm. it was eclipsed by Zelda for a little bit of time. And then the groundswell started to occur. It became a meme. People buy the game. And then, like, a couple of weeks later or whatever, a week later, it hits the number one uh, on the eShop, right? Uh, And, you know, they they had a launch sale, which was great, you know? Like, I'm sure that pushed a lot of people to buy. But it's just a great, silly video game that I will enjoy chip, chipping away more at, over time. But I have also been playing Legend of Zelda Link's Awakening. Yes, that one I've been playing as well. So where are you in the game? I have just completed the second dungeon. Okay. So uh, I'm very confused by the Mario crossovers in this game. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't. because you because you have the Goombas and the two D scrolling sections, the two D scrolling sections and the uh, chain chomps. Yeah, yeah. So um, that 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 is not new in the remake. There has always okay. been this crossover, even in the original game. There Fine. were the chomp chomps. Um, okay, that makes sense. Then I was a little bit uh, like, what what is happening? So I just uh, you know I I don't know where you are, but I saved a chain chomp, which took me into a dungeon, and I beat that dungeon. Yes. So that's where yes, I am. So I just finished that before we started recording today. Actually, I'm a I'm a bit further than you. I've done the third dungeon. Do you keep thinking it says weird fish every time instead of wind fish? Yep. Yeah, I do. Oh, good, I good, do. Good. 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 <laughs> I do. I remember playing this game as a kid on the Game Boy and thinking that it was too difficult. And I'm I'm not sure I ever got to where I am right now with the remake. Uh, when to be fair, I played the game and I was probably nine or ten. So I was not as uh, skilled in video games as I may be today. Um, but I'm just I'm loving it. I'm loving this game. It's 
it's so beautiful and it's so pretty in a way that no other video game is. Like, um, and I know that there's performance issues and, uh, and that's unfortunate. The game dips way below 30 frames per second. It never hits a full 60 frames per second, which is surprising given that it's a, it's a first-party Nintendo release and Nintendo usually cares a lot about performance and that kind of stuff. All right. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if it is the bananas graphics that this game yes. has that is causing some serious problems. This is one of the most beautiful video games I have ever played. I have never played a game that looks like this. It's one of those things of like, what gave you the right to make a game that looks this way? Who, Nintendo, let you do this? Like, yeah. it's a... How did this happen? It's absolutely wonderful. I love it. I think the closest that I can think that they've come to this style before is Captain Toad's Treasure Tracker, mm, which had a comparison. aesthetic that was close to this one, where it looked like hyper realistic in the sense of this. All of this looks like it's made out of plastic, mm-hmm. right? Where like it, it it couldn't be realistic. It doesn't. It's not realistic to real life in any way, but it looks like it could be. And it's the same with Captain Toad's Treasure Tracker, dioramas, like little dioramas that built. Yeah. But this one goes much further than that. I'm enjoying it greatly. Uh, I'm falling down a lot of pits <laughs> because I keep I never press the right button to jump uh, okay. when I get the feather. Because I'm just so used to A, B, and jump in video games mm. that like it just I keep falling down pits. And it's it's got some challenge to it, but it's not too much, you know? No. Yeah. Uh, it feels easier to me than some of the other Zelda games that I've played um, in this style. I wanted to ask you, how do you feel about, after playing Breath of the Wild, going back to a more traditional Zelda game? I mean, it helps that this is fun and engaging and beautiful, but it is. it may as well be a different franchise at this mm. point. It is so different to Breath of the Wild. It's effectively a different game now. And this is what all Zeldas <laughs> used to be. Yes. Like, but they've changed the game, right? In the sense of like, Zelda's not going to be like this anymore. The only Zelda games that will be like this one is when they do more remakes. Or, you know what I mean? Like Zelda now, the, the main games, it's going to be like Breath of the Wild, right? Like They're not going to go yeah. back to this <laughs> <laughs> no. for Breath of the Wild 2 or whatever they're going to call it. Honestly, they should do more remakes. They should... Uh, and I, I've think seen some people, I think they I've will. I've seen some people talk about this. They should totally remake um, Oracle of Seasons and Oracle of Ages. Uh, I used to play those games on the Game Boy and they were amazing already. This game has been so successful, I think they know they can do it. And, yeah. and, it's, not, and it's also been critically successful, which is important. This game was probably always going to sell very well because Breath of the Wild was such a success. But the concern would be that then like people would buy it and the response would be poor because it wasn't like Breath of the Wild. But that doesn't mm. seem to have been the case. No. So they have the agency or the permission to m- remake more Zelda games now. But I don't think they should make new games in this way. Yeah, and I, and I sort of see it as a, as a palate cleanser after spending 200 hours in Breath of the Wild and before the next one comes out, I can use, you know, a 50-hour Zelda game. That's fine. Uh, you know, classic structure, classic dungeons. I could use that. And actually, coming from Breath of the Wild, I kind of missed 
the traditional Zelda dungeon. So it feels good to play a traditional Zelda game again. Yeah, I, I like the, the dungeons too. I mean, I will say that this game is just continuing my uh, real, like, consistent issue and uh, tirade against Game Over. Mm. I don't understand why Game Over exists in video games if the next thing that happens is you're just taken back a little bit. Like, yeah, I just think that get, it doesn't make sense anymore to do that. But, um, you know, I, I understand why it happens in, in a sense, but I think that it could be done, it could be handled differently. Like, there is no game over. The game isn't over. Like, I just, I go back a little bit. Like, I lose my checkpoint state. The game is not over, <laughs> and I don't yeah. even go back to the beginning. Like I just go back to like the out the the level the area the beginning of the area that I'm currently at. You know what I mean? Mm. So yeah, that it's just a frustration. For, it's just a continues to be a consistent frustration for me. Mm. I have one tip for you. Okay, don't be like me and and be tempted by the uh, bow and the arrows that you can buy. I haven't even seen them. Don't spend 980 rupees on that. <laughs> it's not worth it because you'll get them eventually. It's like I've been very confused by the fact that I see shields for purchase in stores, but I already have one. Yeah, I have an idea. And uh, it's the, the store is basically like a scam, I think. Uh, the guys run a scam operation uh, because those <laughs> those tools you eventually get in the game itself. So to to describe you where I'm at right now, I finished the third dungeon, mm -hmm. but I already have the key to the fourth one. That uh, seems like a very Federico way of playing a Zelda game. Because I, 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 I spent all my money on the bow and the arrows. And um, what I basically ended up doing was I was going around with two keys because I was able to do the quest to get the next key before doing the third dungeon. <laughs> so I was in an era where I was not supposed to be because you needed the arrow, uh, the, 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 the bow and the arrows to uh, kill an enemy. But normally in the story, it's not the point where you would have the bow and the arrows, but I had them because I bought them. So I did the third dungeon owning the key to the fourth one already. So hmm. don't spend your money on that. You're, no, you're, that seems like we've only got more confusion <laughs> at this point. Yeah, yeah. So I got very confused, like, well, now I have two keys, but I cannot do the fourth one. So I guess I'll do the third one and then immediately jump onto the fourth one because I've already done the quest to obtain the key. Um, and that's because I spent all my money to get a tool that I would have gotten eventually anyway for free. So yeah, don't, don't, don't do that. That's my tip for you. Don't be tip, fooled. Rather. Don't fooled by the store scam in this game. Um, so I have a small selection of Apple Arcade games that okay. I still have something like thirty games that I want to try but haven't tried. Um, Same. Sayonara Wild Hearts is the first one. Um, this is the, this is one of the games that Apple showed off on stage. Um, it is a game that features amazing music, like. It's almost like basically like a rhythm game in in a sense with some driving and fighting elements, but but everything is kind of like tied into a rhythm, and the music is fantastic. The gameplay is simple but challenging. Um, 
I've enjoy playing on the Apple TV the most using an Xbox controller. Uh, this is definitely a more comfortable way to play this game than swiping on mm. an iPad. But if you do choose to play it um, on iOS uh, with with a touchscreen, in the settings there's controls to adjust the sensitivity of the swiping. I recommend mm. turning those up and the game okay. is much easier to play that way. Um, but this is like a really... it's it, it feels like of the games that I've tried so far... The probably the most polished and um, console feeling from a quality perspective game is Sayonara Wild Hearts, which is not a surprise because it was built for consoles. Uh, and and mm. this was one of the games that was it already in active development for other platforms that Apple convinced to bring to arcade. So uh, it's, it's very, very good, very, very good game. Um, I've enjoyed Assemble with Care, which is from Us Two as well. Previous uh, what developers of Monument Valley uh, as a very beautiful art style and an engaging story. It was surprisingly heavy on story. Like there's a lot of story really? in this game. Yeah, huh. I, and I didn't know. I didn't think I was expecting it because uh, Monument Valley had story, but it was very like hands off. Where like right. this game has voice acting in it. Oh wow! Yeah, I, didn't know that. I was quite surprised about that. Um, and you know, basically, the the, the conceit of the game uh, it is a puzzle game of constructing and deconstructing things uh, is a very clever idea for an iOS game uh, because you can do lots of like cute little things and twisting screwdrivers and trying to find uh, pieces and putting them back together. It's it's a nice this is a nice game. It reminds me of um, some of those like you remember those like. Um, like Zenbound and stuff like that. Those yes, games. Yes. It reminds yes. me of that kind of game. Um, so huh. this is this is a nice relaxing game to play. Card of Darkness, which is from uh, Zach Gage. Um, this feels like a cross between Threes and Flip Flop Solitaire, which makes sense. Involved in both of them, um, and I I've found this game to be quite challenging. It's a very challenging puzzle game. Like I have to really sit and consider my moves in this game. But it is fun and whimsical, uh, which makes sense considering Pendleton Ward is involved. Uh, he's the creator of Adventure Time. Ah, okay. So it's got a lot of like fun animation style to it and stuff. So Card of Darkness, I've really enjoyed that game. So that, that's been a really good one. And What the Golf is another one. This game is legitimately hilarious and not at all what you expect. Like, okay, it is not a golf game in the sense of being a golf game. It is constantly changing the way you play the game. Some games, some uh, levels are 2D side scrolling, some levels it's basically Flappy Bird. Like, it is wild. Like, there's so many different styles of, of games jammed into this one, and some of the things are unexpected in a way that actually make you laugh out loud while you're playing. Like, I really recommend this game. It also has one of the most genius things I've ever seen in a video game. Like, so this game is really funny, right? So you want to show it to people. So Mm. I was talking to Adina about this game. I was like, oh, I've been playing this golf game. Like, it's crazy. Like, one of them, and this has been shared online a lot, like, you're, you're... teeing off of a guy right like he's got the ball the 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 club in his hand you pull back you flick forward and he flies into the air and you have to get you have to keep flicking the guy until he lands on the green and then you completed the level so it's stuff like that right where it's like you think it's going to be one thing but it's completely another thing 
So I was talking to her about it. It's like, oh, this game's really funny. I want to show you some of the levels I played. And I opened the game, and they have on the levels, like on the main screen, they have like start game or a show your friends mode. Oh, that's genius. Where you can, it picks a selection of the most wild levels, and you just play them. As a, like this, without a shadow of a doubt, is like, they understand the game they are making. Mm-hmm. That you might want to show it to people that are next to you because it's so funny as a way to convince them to buy the game. It's like I saw it and I was like, holy crap, that is exactly what I want to do right now. Like, I was like, yes, these are this game is made by people that understood what they were making to the level that they put this in. So, mm-hmm. yeah, this what the golf. I would recommend people download that game first if you haven't played any Apple Arcade games because it's so weird and wonderful and hilarious. Uh, and then go maybe through the order of the other games that I've mentioned. Sayonara, Wild Hearts, Assemble with Care, and Card of Darkness. That's what I'm doing. Go in that order. Like, what you okay. will be... I'm also going to say as well, like, the, the level of game that, that, that Apple have had right now is really encouraging, and I... I hope so much that they continue to work on games like these, like the collection that they've had so far, because they have really spanned the market and have been able to provide developers, I would expect, with a decent, a much better deal than they could have got if they were to sell. Like a game like What the Golf might have been quite difficult to sell. Um, because it needed, I think it's been played a lot now because people were just trying it out and then they find that it's weird and wonderful and I don't know if it would have found its way otherwise. So I really hope that they continue to fund and bring into the the, the Apple Arcade library games that continue to span development styles and sizes of companies in the way that they have so far. So I'm very excited about it. Yep. All right, let's take a break and we'll hear from some of the stuff that you've been up to. Uh, this episode is brought to you by Squarespace. Make your next move with Squarespace. Let you easily create a website for your next idea or project to move the ability to grab a unique domain name. Take advantage of award-winning templates and more. They are the all-in-one platform for your next website. There's nothing to install or patch or upgrade. They've got all of this covered so you don't have to worry. Whether you want to create a blog, a portfolio, an online store, a site for your business, a site for your band, a site for an event... It doesn't matter because Squarespace have the tools that you're going to need. And if you get stuck with anything at all, they have award-winning 24-7 customer support. Squarespace plans start at just $12 a month, but you can sign up for a trial today with no credit card required by going to squarespace.com remaster. And if you use the offer code remaster at checkout, you'll get 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain and show your support for this show. That is squarespace.com slash remaster and the code remaster for 10% of your first purchase. Our thanks to Squarespace for their support of this show and Relay FM Squarespace. Make your next move, make your next website. So tell me what you've been up to. Okay, so uh, you've probably seen a picture of this. Um, I've bought this accessory for the Nintendo Switch. It's called the Hori Split Pad Pro. Okay. I think, I think it was originally released as... Um, a special accessory for that game that came out on the Switch. Game um, and X Machina. Yes, that one. Um, so Hori is a, is a very popular accessory maker. Do you have any idea why they released it for this particular game? Honestly, I have no idea. I just saw this controller uh, on maybe Kotaku or Polygon a few months ago, actually. 
I pre-ordered it on Amazon, completely forgot about it, and then it just showed up a few days ago. <laughs> it has a turbo <laughs> button and an assign it's got, button. So, okay, so this is a split controller that replaces the Joy-Cons. It's so much bigger than the Joy-Cons. It, it's basically like a pro controller Cut split in half. in half. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Um, and it's got these... Uh, these you, in addition to the standard to the standard buttons, so it's got the D-pad, which feels really good, and the sticks, which also feel good, and the buttons, everything's normal. You can also uh, assign custom buttons to two additional buttons that you have in the back. Oh, they're like triggers. They're like triggers, like the Xbox Elite controller, yeah. basically, but not as not as fancy, of course. Because this is made of plastic; it's not made of metal. So you got these additional uh, buttons and this turbo functionality that I'm not sure what it is, but I have an instruction manual that <laughs> I will read and I will let you know what it does. Well, like on on other on old Nintendo controllers, turbo just mean like it would press buttons faster and more frequently right yeah i think that's what it is uh so you you can you can have the that functionality and also you can assign any button to the to the triggers in the back so that i still want to experiment uh but the reason why i originally bought this controller in it besides that it looks cool this 100 percent would help you cheat in games like smash oh yeah oh yeah yeah, huh. totally. But I don't play. I don't play competitive Smash, and I and I, you know, I'm fairly certain that these types of controllers are banned from, you know, proper Smash competitions. Yeah. But if you play online, well, yeah, yeah, nobody knows. You know, nobody knows what you're doing. Yeah, totally. The reason why I bought it is that I like playing the Switch in portable mode. But my hands are too big for the Joy-Cons, mm-hmm. and therefore I can play with the Joy-Cons. I don't get the terrible issues that you, unfortunately, Mike, uh, face when using the Joy-Cons, but I, I can still feel my hands feeling funny after a, after like 30 minutes or 45 minutes. I can feel that it gets a bit, you know, I need to stretch my fingers, I need to stretch my hands, it's not, it's not comfortable. This controller allows me to play for much longer in portable mode without my wrists and my hands feeling weird. Um, because it's bigger, it's more comfortable, I got a better grip on it, I got a better way to rest my palm against the controller, there's more space, It's just it just feels better hmm. to use for prolonged periods of time. And so I was able to play Zelda for like three hours straight a few days ago, no issues at all. I, you know, with any controller, I still need to stretch my hands and take a break and, you know, do something else for a while uh, after I've been playing. But the Joy-Cons, by comparison, yes, they are smaller. Yes, they are prettier because they're in color. But this controller feels better for me to play. So, uh, it's made of plastic. It's got a nice texture. Uh, the sticks feel good. They can be clicked, of course. I would recommend it. It's it especially if you have, if you're somebody that has you know relatively big hands and you like the idea of the Switch as a console that can be played in portable mode, but you find the Joy Cons to be too small for you. I would recommend this one. Yeah, I think this would be better for me, but I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. The pro because the pro controller and just using like the case that I have that has a stand like that works perfectly fine for me. That I don't want to mess around with that setup when really as well like. For me, when I'm traveling, this wouldn't make that any smaller of a kit anyway, to be honest. Mm-hmm. I just wish I could turn off the Pro Controller. Because I put it in my bag, yeah. the buttons get pressed, and it's constantly trying to find a signal. 
Yeah, it's always lighting up with the with the green indicator. Yeah, uh, the there's another thing that I've done. So I wanted to have a proper way to play Apple Arcade games while lying in bed with my phone. So all of this sounds very specific, and it is. It's a very specific. That is incredibly specific. It's incredibly specific. So here's what I've done. I have bought an Xbox One S controller. Yep, that's, that's the I got one, one that too. has. Yep, it's one that has Bluetooth, and I've bought from Amazon.com because it was not available in Italy. This grip for the iPhone, which is a piece of plastic that attaches to the Xbox One S controller, and allows you to. It's like a cradle for your phone. It lets you put your phone on top of the controller oh. and it supports, it supp- of course, in landscape mode and it supports multiple viewing angles. And I will give you the name of this piece of plastic that I bought for like, I don't know, $10 or something like that. And it came in a three pack. So that's convenient. Uh, it is called, this is on Amazon. The three pack. R, it's a three pack and it costs $10. Um, it's called the and I'm, I don't know, R-N-G-E-O, three-pack foldable mobile phone holder. Uh, it's literally a piece of plastic that attaches to the Xbox One S controller. And uh, you can put your phone inside, and it's stable enough. It's got a metal hook in the back that secures the thing in place, and it's very convenient. I've been playing... Um, what is it? Uh, Rayman, R-N-G-O. Uh, what's it called? R N G E O. That's brilliant. Yeah, that's the one. It's a very easy name to remember. Uh, I've been, yeah, I don't know. I've been playing Rayman Mini, uh, which is fun. It's basically uh, in the style of uh, you know the the, the simplified Rayman uh, Rayman Run, where you don't actually control the full movement. You just run and you press a button to jump or um, punch enemies. Um, and it's totally awesome. It's so much easier to play with the controller. It's so much more comfortable, especially if you like uh, the the what Xbox the One feel controller. Like? Uh, um, it's fine. I have an I have a Pro Max, uh, and uh, with you know, it's not lightweight. You, but uh, then again, if you're lying in bed, you're probably holding the like the the controller on your lap. It's totally doable. It's not. It's not too bad, and it's very similar to holding the Switch with the Split Pad yeah. Pro controller. It's in terms of overall weight. Um, what I want to do though is I want to play Ocean Horn Two in bed yes. with this controller on my phone. During the day, I can play on my iPad Pro um, at a desk, uh, you know, because I have uh, I have my fancy kickstands. Uh, attached uh-huh. to the smart cover so I can prop up the iPad Pro at an angle and play games with the Xbox controller. But I also wanted to play in bed without bothering Sylvia. She's maybe watching something on the TV. Um, and uh, so that's my setup now. I have a I have a mobile iPhone holder attached to an Xbox One S controller. Uh, I recommend... I'll send you a picture. Uh, I should take a picture and send it to you so you can see what it's like. Uh, what else? I don't think I have any more surprises for you. I've seen stuff like this though because Microsoft have been showing off their what Xbox X Cloud and they're they're selling attachments I think that that go onto Android phones like that like this. Yeah, 
Yeah. So I, I don't think I have any more surprises. I've been playing mm -hmm. uh, a lot of Zelda, uh, Link's Awakening, and uh, I've been playing Grindstone on Apple Arcade. It's a puzzle game. Okay. What's that? That's by Cappy Games, right? It's by Cappy. It's super good. It's super good, and it gets very challenging after about eight or nine levels. Uh, it's, a, it's a puzzle game disguised as a, as a sort of a hack and slash game uh, in that you need to kill enemies, uh, but you need to match their colors. Oh, so yeah, gonna, it's a color matching yeah. game? It's a color matching Whoa. game. It's super, it is, you're going to love it. It's super good. It's super addicting and the music is awesome. Um, so uh, that, that gets real challenging around level 10, at least for me. Uh, and you can do combos. Uh, you can reset colors during the combo. So you can start a combo with color blue, then reset, and then continue the combo with very color nice. red or purple. It's very, it's very fun. Um, what else? There's a whole page here of games that I'm supposed to start. Yep. Agent Intercept. It's a fun game. Very clearly, originally meant to be a freemium game and eventually turned into an Apple Arcade game. Stephen was telling me that like there are time limits on when the levels unlock. Is that yeah. right? What yeah. is that about? That's right. It's very much a leftover of what this game was supposed to be. Uh, Can I make a quick... It's not Cappy Games. It's Cappy Barra Games who were behind uh, Super Brothers Sword and Sorcery who made Grindstone. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. And also, I would recommend uh, Blick Sword. Uh, it's this crazy like black and white adventure game that uh, has this super retro pixel-style graphics but that is also in 3D. Oh, wow. I recommend watching a video on YouTube. I look, I'm just looking at the screenshots. It's very peculiar. And you control the game entirely by swiping across the screen. So both movement and attacks are handled with uh, swipes and long tap gestures. It's very unique. It's, it's, it's that kind of iPhone-only game that couldn't... It could probably be adapted to a controller. I haven't, play, I haven't tried playing with the controller. I'm not even sure if it's possible. It makes so much more sense via touch. And it's got this unique art style that is unlike anything else I've ever seen on the App Store. And it, it, it's, it also gets real challenging right from the get-go. Like, the, the, the first boss... I died a bunch of times before I could beat the mm. boss. So it's and it's very unique and it's like it's uh, you should check it out if you're uh, if you have an Apple Arcade if only to see the kind of graphics and the kind of controls that this game has. And uh, Jim Guthrie was the composer on the game. Yeah. 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 So uh and that's pretty much all that I've been playing everything else on this page is in addition to your games, everything else I'm supposed to start eventually. I want to play uh, Sh uh, Shinsakai, which is the game that was at the Apple event. I want to play NeoCab. A bunch of people have been talking about NeoCab yep. uh, from Apple Arcade, so I want to check that out. Uh, Mutazione, which also has a beautiful Italian name. Uh, I've also seen positive reviews for this game. And of course, you know, I got my whole backlog of deeper games, meaning Oceanhorn, Where Cards Fall, and Sayonara Wild Hearts that I want to check out at some point. Yeah, there's so many great games out right now. Um, we're just like, we are weeks away from Pokemon. Yeah, oh, why do you need to... Oh, man. Yeah, I'm, I'm equally terrified by what that will do to my free time and incredibly excited. Six weeks. Uh, auto Six save. weeks to Pokemon. That game will have autosave, Mike. And also the greatest Pokemon ever created, which is Surfetched. 
I yeah. will be buying. <laughs> I will be buying sword because it's exclusive to swords. Because I wanted shield, right? Because I didn't like the legendary dog with the mm. sword in its mouth. Because I think that's stupid. I wanted the one that had like a shield built into its body. But uh, now I'm gonna have to get sword because I I need surf fetched. Anyway, <laughs> I would. <laughs> We'll now pass it over to Shahid, who wants to talk to us all about the Oculus Quest. Well, I've been a little hard to reach lately. And that's probably because I spent an awful lot of time in VR. Not just developing games. I've actually been playing the Oculus Quest. Yes, the device I've been looking forward to for quite some time. I think the Quest marks the beginning of the second generation of VR. A truly high-quality, untethered experience. And it really has been a revelation. Now, the unboxing experience was lovely. Really smooth, really professional, as you would expect. But, you know, much more like an iPhone than perhaps a really good VR boxed unit. Really slick. Excellent. And there are two versions. There's a 64 gigabyte version and the 128 gigabyte version. I went for the 64 gigabyte version, not because I'm a cheapskate. Okay, maybe slightly a cheapskate, but because I don't think I needed the 128 gigabyte version. And other people I spoke to about this said I should be okay with the 64, providing I manage the stuff I've got on the device carefully. And so far, you know, Quest is quite new, so there isn't an absolute ton of stuff for it, but the stuff that there is available has been deliberately curated by Oculus. Unlike with their previous headsets, the store for Quest is managed. And that means that unless you pass certain criteria, you're not going to be able to get onto the storefront. And of course, that's not great for all developers, but certainly in terms of the first impression that people who bought a Quest get, it will mean that you don't get something that makes you feel really unwell. And I think that's really important, given that it looks like the Quest is more a mainstream device than the other devices are. And I say that even with the PSVR in mind, because, okay, PSVR is ostensibly a consumer item, but, you know, with that huge tether on, it has the feeling of something that isn't quite there yet. I'm sure the next generation will be spectacular. But right now, the Quest stands on its own as a truly next-generation, untethered, high-quality VR experience. I also ordered the case, and I'm pleased I did, because it means you can just carry it around wherever you want and play it wherever you want. And that's useful, because it's actually not that big a unit. It's just the headset with a couple of touch controllers. You can take the power supply with you, but it's chargeable with the supplied USB cable. As I said, the setup was superb. You have to download an app. I got one for the iPhone. And with the app, you can download games directly to your device. You can set up other devices as well. It's really quite friendly and straightforward. And I was up and running in no time. So what does that involve? Well, you have to set up a guardian area. You can go with a stationary guardian, which is as it sounds, you sit or stand where you are and don't move about, or you can go with an area. And if you go for an area, you use your touch controller, as you would have done with the Rift, 
to trace an area where it's safe for you to move about. And that works really, really well. So well, in fact, that if there are a couple of places in your home where you've marked out a guardian area, it will remember. Now, how does it do that? Well, it's got cameras on the outside. That's right. It can see the environment and the inside out tracking has been superb, absolutely flawless. And of course, because you don't have external cameras, like with the original Rift, not the Rift S, I might add, but like with the original Rift, it means that the controllers don't get obscured. So you've just got this beautifully smooth experience no matter what. The touch controllers are slightly simpler, but they're as intuitive as ever. Still my favorite VR controllers of all. There's a single AA battery required for each controller, and these batteries are provided. I mentioned the USB-C charging cable. The other thing about that cable is you can actually use it for development. Okay, you might not necessarily be able to release a game without going through the approval process, but if you simply want to develop, then the cable is there. And the thing that impressed me a whole lot was I was able to get this going from the MacBook Pro. That's right. 13-inch MacBook Pro with a USB-C cable going into an Oculus Quest headset, and you have a completely mobile VR development environment. Yeah, the future is here. Now, games. That's what we're interested in, right? Well, I went for the tried and tested. Yes, Beat Saber. Look, I haven't played Beat Saber before I played it on the Quest. Everyone's been raving on about it, and I've made the excuse that I'm too busy making games to have played Beat Saber. What what a nonsense that was. I've thoroughly enjoyed myself. It's actually served as a little workout for me. So half an hour of Beat Saber on the Oculus Quest first thing in the morning, and my heart is racing. Absolutely wonderful on the Quest. Doesn't seem to have lost anything, but then again, I haven't really played it on the other devices, just seen videos, but it looks like the same experience pretty much. I also tried Vader Immortal Episode 2, the graphics for which were surprisingly good, I have to say. I really did feel a sense of presence that was on a par with anything I felt on any other device but with the added bonus of being able to move around freely and not feeling tethered. I mean, there's there's such a gulf between the Quest and any other tethered device. There's always that nagging reminder, and I mean nagging. You know, that cable is nagging you all the time. Look, you're connected to something. But with the Quest, there is this freedom, and you've got to respect that freedom because, of course, if you're not careful, you've soon moved out of your guardian area and you could be in trouble. Thankfully, the Guardian area makes it very, very obvious to you when you're within a safe space and when you're not. So yeah, fantastic graphics. The game I found okay, but then again, I should probably have played the first episode so that I would have understood it a bit more. I played a demo, played Journey of the Gods, which I thought was superb. I see that the um, locomotion in that employs the Uh, vignetting effect so that if you move very very quickly more of the screen vignettes so that you get this much much narrower focus which is really quite cool it stops you feeling sick and that works even when you're strafing which i was have to say i was really surprised to see working as well as it did and going back to development i was actually able to build a sample using just my macbook pro unity and a quest 
No power sockets required. Absolutely wonderful. And with that, Apple Arcade. As you're probably well aware from previous episodes, I'm a huge, huge fan of the idea of Apple Arcade. So the question was, does it live up to my best hopes in practice? And I must say it does. Now, as you would expect from a launch portfolio, there's nothing in there that makes me go, whoa, this is the greatest thing ever. But there's actually a really wide range of high quality stuff. Some of the games suffer from launch issues. That is, they're not as flexible as you might expect. But, you know, if you think about it, there's an awful lot going on here. People are being asked to create a game that works on multiple form factors, including the Apple TV, the iPad, the iPhone, and, of course, the Mac. Yes, the Mac, which means it's also got to work with a whole bunch of different input devices as well, including a DualShock 4 and other controllers too. I found pairing of the DualShock 4 incredibly simple. I was really surprised at this. I expected a whole bunch of headaches, but they never really transpired. Apple TV pairing, yeah, no problem at all. iPad pairing, no problem at all. Worked really, really well. And that was my preferred method of input. Some of the games suffered on the iPad in that you had to have the game in portrait orientation, but I expect these issues will go away after time. So what did I play? Well, let's start with my favorite so far in terms of game, and that's Hot Lava by Clay. You'd expect Clay Entertainment to make a fantastic game and and really hot lava is really lovely on Apple Arcade. Uh, it has not got the greatest graphics of all time. You wouldn't expect that. It's not that kind of game, really. But it does have an incredible amount of depth. I mean, it's a full-on game. It really is sensational value to be able to get a single game like that for the monthly fee. And of course, I'm still in the first month period, which means I haven't paid for it at all yet. But yeah, definitely worth it. Hot Lava is a really, really good, fun, first-person action game. Lots of time-based stuff. Uh, Really a a very traditional video game, but really well executed. So I've really enjoyed that. Sasquatch is a nice one for the kids. Really interesting the way they've used the controller in different ways. And I've enjoyed that, particularly with the family. Exit the Gungeon is... I guess, not the follow-up, but a companion piece to enter the gungeon, and it's competent, solid. Uh, I was looking forward to Speed Demons, but I found that really, really hard. Yeah, I know, I'm old. Uh, Portrait only, sadly, so it was a bit awkward trying to get that going with my iPad Pro, especially when I had that connected to the keyboard. But yeah, it it was too hard for me anyway. Sonic Racing was competent, it's okay. One of my favorite little games was actually Bleak Sword, and that's published by Devolver. And the reason I liked it was because it worked really well across all the devices. It was a very traditional game, but the way they'd worked out how to do touch controls really well for a game like this was clever. And I've been playing that a fair bit. Now, we talked about Frogger, as you know. It looks beautiful, but it's not quite as responsive as Crossy Road. I mean, it's got obviously more game, if you like. There's more that you can do. It's a little bit more forgiving in that if you get pushed off the bottom of the screen, then you keep getting pushed up so you don't die at that point. But I have to say the responsiveness was not what I would have liked. Nowhere near as good as Crossy Road, which is a shame, really. 
But other than that, it looked great. So I might get back into it at some point. But, you know, with so many other games, that's a risk you run. You're quite likely to move on to the next thing. Uh, I had a quick look at uh, Tawaga Among Shadows. Not massively keen on that one, but I need to play it a little bit more. So the last game I wanted to mention was Agent Intercept. Absolutely top-notch, high-quality visuals, really nice progression, smooth, responsive, great graphics, a lot of fun. Really had that feeling of being continuous, enjoyable, satisfying gameplay that I really enjoyed. Now, my queue is enormous. I have played a few more games, but not enough to pass any comment. And I've got about, oh, I don't know, 20 games here that I still want to play. And I guess what it boils down to is, will I continue subscribing? Absolutely. 100%. It's been not a revelation because I expected it to be good, but it has been really solid. Very impressive for a launch portfolio. And just that feeling of knowing that you're never going to get interrupted by an ad. You don't have to do any in-app purchase. And playing on a device that you always have with you makes it an absolute winner for me. 